Got a couple verses I would like to open with before you are seated. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 in the King James Version. It says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 in the King James Version, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, and a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Finishing with Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, it says, You are the light of the world, a city that on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I want to talk to you about this subject tonight. Carriers of the glory. Carriers of the glory, would you pray with me one more time? Lord Jesus, I pray that through the remainder of this service on Pentecost Sunday that your spirit would just continue the work that it has already started in this room. And I pray that we would have open hearts and minds and spirits to receive what you want to speak to us tonight. God, we just prepare the soil of our hearts and we say, Lord, would you speak to me? God, would you convict me tonight? Would you work in my heart? Would you work in my spirit? And that what it happens in the next hour or so that we are together, God, that it would change how I walk, it would change how I talk and how I go about my everyday life, and I pray it all in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I apologize. I don't have much of a voice tonight, but I will do my best. Now, we all carry things with us. If you're anything like me, before you leave the house in the morning, you probably do the, the, the morning pat down. For me, I'm, I'm checking my front pocket and my back pocket, and I'm making sure that I've got my keys on me. Anybody else do that before you leave the house in the morning? If you're traveling, maybe you, you do that same pat down, but you're triple checking to make sure that you've got your passport with you. There was this one time where it was 2012. I was traveling to the States. I was driving to Bangor. And uh, somehow, it was about the middle of the night, it was about 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., and I'm driving, and I get to the border, and I give them my passport. I thought it was my passport. And, and this will sound like a funny story. Maybe I've told this before, but I, I hand the gentleman my passport. It's the middle of the night. I was 18, driving to Bangor in the middle of the night in my own car, and I looked at the gentleman, and he no disrespect, he, he looked a bit cross-eyed to me. And I thought that was very confusing. And uh, he handed me my passport, and I kept on going, and I got to Bangor. Well, when I got to Bangor, I took that passport, and I swiped it through the ticket machine, and it was saying there was nothing found. I said, well, that's weird. So I waited, and I went to the, to the teller, the person at the desk. I said, hey, it's, it's not recognizing my passport. I just need my tickets. And so they took my passport and looked at it, and okay, cool. They said, is, is, your name, is your name Ashton Kinney? I said, no, that's, that's not my name. That's my younger brother's name. And they said, well, you have his passport. And I said, well, there's no chance because I, you know, my brother is four or five years younger than me, meaning that if my brother was driving through the Bangor or the uh, Holton border in the middle of the night, he would have been 14 driving somebody else's car at 4 a.m. It wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense. And so I searched through my bag, and lo and behold, 
I did not have my passport. And that gentleman at the border that night happened to let me through with my brother's passport. And I made it all the way to the States and back with my brother's passport. Now, maybe if you're heading out to shoot hoops or play some hockey, you're going to want to check your bag to make sure that you have all your gear, your shoes, your skates, your gloves, your hockey sticks. Parents, you know about this one I'm learning all too well. It's, it's the diaper bag or the toy bag because nobody wants to get somewhere and in their moment of crisis when the diaper is needed most, you don't have one in the bag. Ladies, with all due respect, that chasm of, of darkness that, that you call a purse, it's so dark and bottomless that when you need to find something in it, you're, you're shoulder deep and moving around and you still just can't quite figure out where it is, but you've got everything that you need in that purse. Now, this is my, this is my work bag. This is what I take with me to work every day. And and if I open it and go through it, you'll know that I've got my, my notebook, it's got my to-do list inside, it's got my checklist inside, I've got my laptop in there, for some reason there's some hand cream, I'm not really sure why, I don't use it. There's a phone charger with a wall connector, there's some gum, a pen, and a highlighter, and my AirPods. And I make sure every day before I leave the house that everything that I need is in this bag. Now... This is, this is a good bag. It works well. But, but this one right here, and I don't want to get emotional. This, this really hits, hits me deep tonight. This is my fishing bag. Any fishermen in the room? Got a few? Well, this is my fishing bag. And if I go through it tonight, I'll, I'll open it up just for the sake of showing you. I like to make sure that when I'm going fishing, I've, I've got everything I need. So... So I've got a water bottle. There's no water in it right now. And I've got my, my fishing NB guide just so I can pretend like I, I know what I'm actually doing. And my fishing license is inside. Get, get one of those, please. I've got, a, I've got a lunch box. Usually I like to take a granola bar and a banana or some beef jerky, something just in case I'm out there for a little bit longer than I expected. I've got some, I've got some bug spray. Uh, if you need some of that in here tonight, I can, I can hand it out every once in a while. There's a few mosquitoes floating around. Let's see what else we've got. I've got, uh, I've got my tackle box, of course. It's got all my hooks and all my lures and all my bait that I need. Typically, I've got some worms in here. Of course, I didn't bring those. I've got a lighter. I've also got a knife. I've got some pliers in here. Um, Maybe this is a little bit overkill. I, I do have a bit of a machete. I don't know if I'm allowed to have that when I'm preaching. I'll, I'll put that back. It, it was actually left at my house when I moved in, so I didn't purchase that. I've got, a, I've got a first aid kit just in case I get hurt or cut myself with the machete that I never use. And uh, I do have some toilet paper, and I'll just, I'll just leave that uh, for your imagination to figure out. I will say, if anybody would like to examine, it is, it is an unused roll. The edge is still kind of hooked there at the end, but I have learned that when I go fishing, I want to make sure I take everything with me that I need when I go, because it's no fun to get somewhere and realize that you're missing something. So I carry that when I fish, and I don't really need the bag itself. I need what's inside the bag. I carry what I need 
for the journey. My goal is to take everything that I need and nothing that is excess weight or that will slow me down or bog me down as I'm fishing. But when I talk about the fact that we all carry something, I'm not referring to what you physically carry on your person or in the bag that you take with you when you go to work or school or church. I am talking about what you carry on the inside of you. Each and every one of us have unique talents and giftings and abilities, and God made us all different. And that's great because together, all of us make up the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul compared the body of Christ to a human body. Each of us is unique, but together we make the body complete. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 to 18 in the New Living, it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am, part of the bo- I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, what, uh, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body was an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. We all have a part to play in the church. We all have a part to play in the kingdom of God. And God has put each of us exactly where he wants you to be. We all have giftings and we all have abilities on the inside of us that can be used for the kingdom of God. Churches wouldn't survive without faithful saints with a wide range of abilities. Pastor Jack, can I tell you, I think you're a great leader. I think he's a great pastor and a great preacher. Would you agree? But, this will be my last Sunday preaching. I want to thank you all for coming. No offense. Get ready. I'm not sure that you could keep the books like Eric could. Can I be honest with you? Eric, I think you're great at what you do. But if I'm being honest, Eric, wherever you are, no offense. I just don't think that you could play the drums like Caleb could, unless you're concealing this ability. And Caleb, I think you're an excellent drummer. You're a great worship leader, but, but no offense, I'm not sure you could lead our Sunday school department like Danielle can. I'll make it personal. I'm picking on people. Is that all right? Hey, Alex, no offense, but you can't sing like O'Neal. I want to. I'm jealous. I'm bitter, (laughs) envious. Greg, I wish I could play the bass like you play the bass. I wish I could teach like Pastor Woodward. Doesn't matter what he brings to the pulpit, everybody just leaves crying. (laughs) I wish I could preach like Joel Urshan, but that's not my gifting or my ability. But that doesn't make what each and every one of us do less than what somebody else is gifted to do. We need it all. It'd be pretty awkward to show up and have no bass player. It'd be awkward to show up and have no uh, worship leader. It'd be awkward to show up and have no preacher. It'd be awkward if we had the best worship team in North America, but the worst greeting team. 
full of people that when you walk through the doors, all they did was frown and scowl. And when you ask for a bulletin, they just kind of chuck it at you and say, take it. I don't get paid to do this. Or maybe it would be even more awkward to show up for service with the most top-tier, regimented, elite greeting team that no matter how bad your day was or your morning was, you came in with a smile only to walk into a worship service full of screeching singers and offbeat drummers, of which I would fall into both of those categories. Now, the point is this. We all have abilities and talent that we carry on the inside of us, and each and every one of those talents and giftings and abilities add something to the church, and they add something to the kingdom of God. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16 says, A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Now, the literal meaning of this, of this verse is, is talking about bribery or paying your way into situations. You know, handing somebody a crisp $100 bill and saying, Hey, just let me pass. All I need to go talk to so-and-so. You can get some attention with that. You can get some FaceTime with great people with just a little bit of bribery. And although that is the the literal meaning of what is being talked about, the broad principle remains the same. If you have giftings and you have talent and if you have ability within you, which you do, each and every one of us does, it will open doors and create opportunities for you. If you're gifted with numbers and accounting, that will open doors for you to get jobs that I will never be able to get. If you are gifted in, in home care working or, or nursing or anything of that nature, working with people in the public sector, that will open doors for you to have a career and advance in that career. It will create opportunities for you. Now, here's the point tonight. What we carry matters. I'm going to say that again. What we carry matters. There's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Miles Monroe, and he says this. He says, people are not looking for you. They are only looking for what you are carrying. And if you don't manifest or realize or release what you are carrying, the world will ignore you. That's encouraging, isn't it? Because you exist does not mean that you will be successful. Just because you exist doesn't mean that people will notice you. You can live your entire life and not be noticed by humanity. We can bury you in a cemetery and the world will never know that you walked on this earth if it wasn't for your tombstone. And the reason is because people live on earth, but they never manifest. They never release that gifting and ability that God has given them. So the most important goal in your life should be first discovering and then releasing what God has given you to give to the world and give to the kingdom. It's like a seed. Now, when you think about a seed, a seed, it carries the potential. It has all of the ability to grow into something that will be marveled. But the seed itself is never marveled. It's very small, a lot of times insignificant and trodden over. There's nothing glamorous about the seed. The seed doesn't get our attention. But when the seed begins to release and grow what's on the inside of it, we marvel at the results. Towering oak trees, endless fields of wheat or corn or potatoes and any number of fruits and vegetables, that 
gets our attention. It's not really about the seed. It's about what's on the inside of the seed. Think of it this way. Athletes are marveled for their gifting. Celebrities, comedians, actors, composers, artists, and political figures. Without their gifting, the world would never notice them or know who they are, and neither would you. But the world realized what they had to offer to them, and they said, that is somebody that is gifted. That is somebody that is talented. Justin, can you come on up for me? Ryan, you too. Come on up. You you thought you almost got out of it. I'm going to show you what I mean. Justin, you, you play hockey occasionally. Come on over. Hey, he used to work for me, but he just quit two weeks ago. But he quit to come work at the church for the summer, so that's, that's okay. You know Wayne Gretzky. Anybody else know Wayne Gretzky? It's okay. It's, you're not a sinner if you know who Wayne Gretzky is. Now, what do you know Wayne Gretzky for? Hockey. Good hockey player. Okay. Do you know how old Wayne Gretzky is? 60-something. Do you know when his birthday is? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm glad I picked him because this would ruin the whole sermon right here. Yet you don't know when his birthday is? How many kids does he have? One. He He has five kids. Yep. Um. He's married. He's got five kids. It's the only way you could have five kids. <clears throat> uh, do you know what his wife's name is? No idea. So what do you know about Wayne Gretzky? He's a hockey player? TV broadcaster? Go sit down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All that he really knows about Wayne Gretzky is that he's a good hockey player. All he really recognizes about Wayne Gretzky is that there was a gifting or a talent or an ability that was inside of Wayne Gretzky that was broadcasted to the world around us. And now we all, or maybe most of us, know who Wayne Gretzky is. You can go have a seat. You stay here. Now, you know, you know Michael Jordan? Yeah. yeah. Anybody else know Michael Jordan? Again, it's okay. You're not a sinner if you know who Michael Jordan is. How old's Michael Jordan? No, any guesses? Uh, 60. You're very close. He's 59. Do you know when his birthday is? How many kids does Michael Jordan have? He's got five kids too. We've got uh, six lost kids tonight. Four for the Gretzky family and two for the Jordan family. Is he married? No? No, he is. Yep. And obviously, if, if you don't know that, then you probably don't know his wife's name. All right. You know what? You go sit. Maybe just sit closer to the back if you don't mind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now, the point is, Many of you know these names that I brought before you, but really all that you know is that they had a gifting or an ability that was shown to the world around them. I can name many names. Pablo Picasso, Vincent Van Gogh, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, Chopin, William Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Isaac Newton, Thomas Edison, Abraham Lincoln, Albert Einstein, Helen Keller, Rosa Parks, 
or Mother Teresa. All of these people had tremendous giftings, talents, and abilities in their field. And truthfully, if I went around the room and asked you about these people, yes, most of them may be household names or names that we talk about in school or whatever it is, but all we really know about them is that there was something on the inside that showed us on the outside. They carried something that the world took notice of. And so I want to tell you tonight that what we carry matters, and God can use our giftings and our abilities. Now, Samson, Samson had a gifting, but he didn't walk in his gifting. He was given supernatural strength through his Nazarite vow, but he wasted away his gifting in the world. Judges chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful, you must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. He will begin to rescue his people. But his gifting and his talent and that ability, even though there was spurts where it was on display and there was many great things that Samson did, Samson did not step into the gifting and the calling that God had for him. He decided to waste away what the Lord had blessed him with, and he chose to fraternize with the enemy. But then there are people like Moses, David, and the boy with five loaves and two fish. When Moses had his encounter at the burning bush with God, the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, what is in thine hand? Or can I rephrase it a little bit? Moses, what are you carrying? And God told him that if he would lay it down, if he would cast it down, if he would trust God with what he had given him, God would use what he was carrying. Now David, David showed up carrying a sling and five smooth stones, and that was enough for God to use. David was carrying something, and he said, I'm going to use what I'm carrying for the kingdom. That young lad that left home carrying five loaves and two fish, little did he know that offering to the Lord what he was carrying would impact so many. And the similarity between all three of these stories is this, that by offering what they were carrying, it had an impact on the world around them. Moses was used by God to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And David's victory over Goliath won the battle over the Philistines and saved them from slavery. And the lad with the five loaves and two fish offered what he had, and it blessed the thousands in the multitude that day. And the point is this. When we release what God has given to us, that ability, that talent, that gifting, that thing that he put on the inside of you, it will not only affect you and your life, but it will affect the entire world around you. But there is something more important that a spirit-filled Christian carries with them. As beautiful 
and needed as musical talent and ability is, it's not important as this one thing. As needed as teaching is in our churches from the youngest age to the oldest, there is something greater that each spirit-filled person carries. As important as preaching may be, and preaching is a blessing to the body, but this thing that I want to tell you about tonight pales in comparison Everything that I just mentioned pales in comparison to this one thing. And it's so proper to talk about this on Pentecost Sunday. I've had this on my heart for a few months now. But you are carrying the glory of God inside you. You are a carrier of the glory of God. You're not just somebody that is talented and gifted at whatever you do at your workplace. You have something that you are carrying that is more important than anything that you could go after in this world. There is something on the inside of you that is more important than anything else that you could pursue or attain. We all carry if we have been filled with the Spirit of God, if we have the Holy Ghost inside of us, if we have been filled, we are carriers of the glory. Now, something significant happened when Jesus was crucified that often gets skipped over and doesn't make it into our Easter Sunday sermon. Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 to 51, it says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Now the gospel writer tells us that directly after Jesus' death, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the meaning of the veil's tearing is wrapped up in what its Old Testament, Old Covenant function was, which was to separate the Israelites from the direct presence of God. And so Matthew, he narrates the tearing, of the, the tearing away of the veil in a way that reveals its significance to us. Because Jesus has died on the cross. The gates to God's presence are open. No longer would his spirit and his glory just reside behind the veil in the Holy of Holies, only, acce uh, only accessible once a year by the high priest on the Day of Atonement. No, the veil was torn so that God's people would have direct access access to his presence. It was torn so that his spirit would not just reside among us, but that his spirit could reside in us. But now, as the veil is torn, the message is clear. The presence and the spirit of God is now accessible to everyone. Is there anybody that's excited that when you come into the glory, when you come into the presence, when you come into church, that you can feel his spirit moving, that you make your way to an altar and say, I feel his presence and I'm standing on his promise. There was a day where nobody could do that. Hear me tonight. There was a day where there was only one man once a year that could go behind the veil. But God said, you know what? That's part of this old covenant. But I have a new covenant that I want to make with my people. And I don't want my presence just to be around them. I want my presence to be in them. I wish somebody was just a little bit more excited about that. Would you thank God? That you're spirit-filled, water-baptized, you're on your way to heaven one day, and it's because you've got his spirit living on the inside of you. 
Hallelujah. Israel. Israel knew what it was like to be led by the Spirit of God. Moses, he first witnessed God's glory at the burning bush. And then as he led Israel out of Egypt, there was that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire. And finally, in Exodus chapter 40, God's glory fell in the temple. And there it would reside upon the Ark of the Covenant and upon the mercy seat. And any time that Israel would travel, they would cover up that Ark with the curtains. And it was the Levites It was the the tribe of the priesthood that would carry that ark wherever they went. And although they they could not touch it directly, they would have to take these wooden poles and put it through the loops on the side of the ark because anybody who directly touched the ark, the glory of God, the presence of God, they would result in dying. And so it was that when the priesthood needed to move the ark, they would do that. They would literally carry, physically carry the glory. They would carry the ark of the Lord. And that is why Peter wrote what he did in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. He says, you're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. The same way that those, that Old Testament Levitical priesthood would carry the ark, the same way that they would carry the glory from place to place, the new covenant, the New Testament church, you are now part of that royal priesthood and everywhere that you go, you are carrying the glory. You are a carrier of the glory. When that veil of the temple was torn. We now had full access to the glory. We we now had full access to his spirit, but not only access for it, like I said, to be among us, to be around us, to just feel it, but for it to actually reside and live on the inside. When we receive the spirit of God, we become carriers of his glory. Can I be honest with you tonight? And you won't hear a lot of preachers say this. I think we undersell the Holy Ghost. I'll say it again and hear me out. I think we undersell the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the single greatest thing in the entire world. There isn't even a close second place. There is nothing in comparison. Everything else bows down at how great and mighty the Holy Ghost is. But it's easy to become biased with talking and preaching about what the Holy Ghost can do for us and not what it can do through us. If I'm being honest, sometimes I think we, and when I say we, I mean the church, and I'm, I'm talking about myself. This is something that I'm working with on the inside of me. But if I'm being honest, I think we treat it as if it's our golden ticket to get through the gates of heaven one day. And it is. It's part of God's plan of salvation. I think that we treat it, though, like it's a golden ticket that when we get to the gate, we hand it to the gatekeeper, and we spend eternity in heaven, and that's all it's good for. Can I tell you? That's not all that it's about. That's a big part of it. We preach it for its eternal purpose, but sometimes we skip over or don't give the emphasis that is needed on what its earthly function is. No wonder that Jesus said in our opening verse, 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Nobody lights that lamp and then just hides it from everybody else. No, the lamp is lit so that everyone else around you can see outside of the darkness. And it's amazing to receive the Spirit, to literally have the Spirit of Almighty God living on the inside of you. But it's not just about it being in you, it's about what it does through you. It's not about, hear me tonight, know my heart. It's not about just getting to heaven because if that's all it was about, what about everybody else in our community? What about our family members that don't know the Lord yet? What about the people in our schools and our workplaces? It's for them too. But we are that light that they see in the darkness. And so if we just cover it up and we hunker down and just wait for the rapture of the church and don't share the gospel with anybody, we are missing the part of the intent that the Holy Ghost has. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I read this a few years ago on Pentecost Sunday. It says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. But hear this next part. There's a colon there. And it says, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Keep that verse on the screen for a second. Now, a colon, just to take you to English class just for a minute, a colon is used between independent clauses where the second sentence explains, illustrates, paraphrases, or expands on the first sentence. This is what I mean. Therefore, the power that is being emphasized in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the power being emphasized when the Holy Ghost came upon them was to make them witnesses in the earth. He didn't say, go receive the power, and one day when God comes back for his church, you will ascend and spend eternity with him. And that is a part of it. And it's a glorious part of it. And it's an important part of it. But it said, no, when you receive this power, the reason that you are receiving this power beyond just your own personal salvation is that you will be a witness. Now, speaking in tongues, it's very important. It is the first evidence of having received the Holy Ghost. But it is nowhere near the entirety. It is nowhere near the only evidence that you have received the Spirit of God. And I don't want to overemphasize the evidence at the expense of missing what God is trying to give us in its entirety. Yes, 100% of the time, when you receive the Spirit for the very first time, you will speak in tongues. Yes, it's important. And yes, it's essential. And praying in the Spirit is needed. But I want to emphasize what the Bible emphasizes, and that's the power that will make us a witness in the world around us. It amazes me 
That not every denomination of Christendom preaches or seeks after the Holy Ghost. And I understand that there are theological differences between denominations and churches. I get it. Some preach that it is not essential. But regardless of whether you felt that it was essential or not, what Christian wouldn't want that power? What Christian wouldn't want the Spirit of God living on the inside of them? So don't get it hung up on speaking in tongues. It will happen when you receive, but focus on the power that we receive to be a witness. And so, immediately following the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, we see this power, we see this witness go into action just one chapter later. We can have the music come back. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, it says, And now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go in, asked of them alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, You know it. He said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he that sat at the, at the gate begging for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, he said, all the people ran together unto them into the porch. That is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Remember, the Holy Ghost is poured out on the day of Pentecost, and we, on the day of Pentecost, and, and we celebrate that today. But after they had been filled with the Spirit of God, they said, you know what? I can't just hold this for myself. I don't want to just experience this for myself or I don't want it to just be for 120 other people. No, I want to be a witness. I want to talk about the magnificent glory of the Lord. I want to talk about His Spirit. I want to talk about His life-changing power. And so all we have to do is flip the book just one more chapter to Acts chapter 3 and we see Peter and John and they said, you know what? Let's put what God has given us to use. Let's show it to the world around us. Let's be a witness. The witness was not in the tongues that they spoke this time their witness was the glory and the power of God that was on display there was an imbalance in the global church hear me tonight if the only evidence of having received the Holy Ghost is the fact that you speak in tongues, but after you've spoken in tongues and you go to your workplace and you go to your school and you go to your community and you spend time with your family and you know how to speak in tongues, but there's no power and there's no glory and there's no witness. Have you ever noticed how that there are so many stories of crowds following Jesus in the Gospels? or disciples in the book of Acts. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, there went, went out a fame of Jesus through all the regions round about. Why was that? Well, in the case of Jesus, it was most definitely not because he was speaking in tongues, because that hadn't been poured out yet. 
it was because of his witness and the power that was on display. There was crowds so great that they would have to try and sneak away. Crowds so great that a woman would crawl on her hands and knees just to touch the hem of his garment. Do you know what still draws a crowd today? Can I be honest with you? They might marvel at speaking in tongues, speaking in a language that you've never learned. But that's not what draws a crowd. What draws a crowd today in the world around us and what will get you attention at your workplace and in your community and at your school and in your family is when the spirit and the power and the glory of God are on display. If the power, if his glory, if his spirit is moving, If it's at work, we would not be able to contain. We wouldn't be able to house the amount of people that would line up to get into this sanctuary. If it was known that this church was a place where miraculous things happened and signs and wonders took place here and people came in on crutches and in wheelchairs and they left whole and they came in with cancer diagnosis, but they left whole. If people knew that this was a place of miracles, they would line up down Downing Street every single day to get into this church and to get a seat. You could cancel all the social media campaigns You don't have to worry about the newspaper ads. You can shut down all the radio blurbs. God has given us the Holy Ghost and power to be a witness. Stand with me tonight. We are, you are, I am a carrier of the glory. I might have some things in life that I'm good at. I might have some things that that I can consider myself to do well at in life. I've got those giftings and abilities on the inside of me, and so do you. There are things that you are good at that the person beside you cannot do. There's a reason that I don't make my own title slides when I'm preaching. Nobody would be able to pay attention to what I was saying. You've got giftings. You've got abilities. We all do. But more important than that, I am carrying the glory. When you go to school next year, students... I want to let you know you're a carrier of his glory. When you go to your workplace tomorrow morning, you're a carrier of his glory. When you're teaching that Bible study, you're not alone. You're carrying his glory. Jason, when you go do outreach, you're not alone. You're carrying his glory. And what good would it be to have the blessing and the experience of Pentecost. What, would, what good would it be to be a carrier of the glory and not share it with everyone that we knew and not share it with everybody that we come in contact with, to not use it for its main purpose, which is to be a witness. We're all carriers of the glory. And every once in a while, it might just be a normal day and you're carrying that glory and you're going around and all of a sudden, you're talking to your coworker they're having a rough day. And hey, you say, you know what? Hey, listen, I think, I, I think I've been carrying what you need. Hey, listen, I know you've been struggling. I know, I know you're having marriage problems. I know your kids aren't living right. But I think I've been carrying the answer to your problems. Hey, listen, I know you're struggling with addiction and with sin. But can I tell you, I've been carrying this thing around with me. I've got this thing on the inside of me that will change your life from the inside out. 
You go to work and that coworker, you see them having a bad day. Hey, can I tell you something? I've got something that you need. You might not realize it yet, but I've got something. I'm carrying something that I think would do you a lot of good. Would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? We are all carriers of the glory. Would you pray with me right now? And I'm going to ask our grads as we're praying to come around this altar again. But would you lift up your voice to the Lord? Grads, if you're comfortable, you can come. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your word. But beyond just the word, I thank you for your spirit that doesn't just dwell among us, but God, that lives on the inside of us. And Lord Jesus, I pray that there will be a refreshing. God, I pray that there will be a renewal in this place tonight. God, that we would understand that if we have been filled with your spirit, we are carrying the greatest, most important thing on the inside of us. And God, you are not wanting us just to hide it or tuck it away or cover it up, but God, you are calling us to be a witness to the world around us. This altar is open tonight. Would you come? Would you come to this altar and say, God, maybe I've been struggling a little bit, but I want to be a carrier of your glory. God, it's been a hard few weeks or a few months, and, and God, I think I need a bit of a refilling. God, I, I want to be a witness. I don't want to just come to church. God, I don't want to just speak in tongues. But God, I want to carry your glory everywhere that I go. God, when I go to work tomorrow, I want to make sure that I'm carrying your glory. God, when I go to school next semester, I want to make sure that I'm carrying your glory. Would you lift your voices with me tonight? Hallelujah. I'll worship you, Jesus. I'll worship you, Jesus. Would you lift your voices with me tonight? God, put a renewed burden inside of us for discipleship. God, put a renewed burden on the inside of us to reach out, to connect, Lord, to help, to have that power on display, to have that witness evident in our lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.